Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Former President Donald Trump, of course, uh, after he won the Iowa caucuses, and immediately declaring himself the uh, candidate for the Republican Party in uh, this year's U.S. election. He probably will be the candidate for the Republican Party, which will be very interesting because he still has criminal court cases ahead. This is a changing world and a quickly changing world. If Mr. Trump is reelected in the United States, what does that mean for the, for the Americans? What does that mean for Canada's relationship with the United States? Interestingly, I read a story the other day that a greater percentage of young Canadians than even young Americans support Donald Trump. And then you look to Europe, where populist Georgia Maloney of Italy was elected prime minister. In Argentina, just recently, populist Javier Mili was elected president. This is after very few considered him electable just a few months earlier. And Mr. Mili at uh, the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, said just a day or two ago that government is not the solution. Government is the problem. Government is not the solution. Government is the problem. And he accused the West and Western governments of drifting too far towards socialism and collectivism and said socialism and collectivism are a disaster. That I'm using my own word there, a disaster. In the Netherlands, Geert Wilders, who's considered extremist, anti-immigrant, and anti-Muslim, also was considered unelectable, saw him and his party win the most seats in the national election last November. And in Sweden, an anti-immigration and nationalist bloc of parties won a majority in the country's parliament. This is really interesting, the, the developments, and younger people are driving the in the, the initiative toward the populist parties winning in national elections. Daryl Bricker joins us, CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs, of course. Ipsos polls on such issues internationally, does tremendous polling for Global News, and Daryl is the author of the book I recommend to everybody next about what's going to be happening in this country. Daryl, when we look at um, just the uh, the individual elections that I that I mentioned, you put them together, you start to see a trend. It's, it's hard not to. Is it a trend? I mean, I see it as one. Or are these just individual occurrences? Is the world, and our particularly younger voters, looking for a populist government? Yeah, what we're seeing, Roy, is it's actually not an isolated event. It's, it's not a, um, it, but it's also not the same exactly everywhere. I mean, so there are some places where the populists aren't necessarily on the rise, but we seem to be in this cycle of which populist governments are becoming more of the uh, of the uh, the agent of change that people are looking for. It kind of reminds me of the late 70s, early 1980s, when you saw, you know, Ronald Reagan win in the United States and you saw Margaret Thatcher win in, in, in the UK. It was after this long period of just this sense of demise. You know, Jimmy Carter called it, you know, this uh, this malaise that kind of existed in the country. And that's what we're seeing in these places where people feel that things aren't getting better. They're just prepared to throw the biggest bomb that they can, the most emphatic bomb that they can at their uh, at their political systems to see if something will shake it up. And uh, when you look at somebody like Mili from Argentina, who was really not on the map to be elected, 
just months before he was with the majority. Uh, Argentina is an interesting case because they were an economic power until they started to really socialize their 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 economy. And then every the whole thing started to implode. Their um, interest rate and their um, inflation rate is just insane. And so younger Argentinians made the call. And I just wonder if around the world, younger people are looking at what the status quo and hearing the same old phraseology or terms like decarbonization, which Christian Freeland used at the World Economic Forum. I talked about it last half hour with our friend, Dr. Eric Cam. And here's terms like decarbonization, and they're saying, oh, God, no, my parents fell for that. I'm not going to. Well, uh, what we're seeing right now is really the dissolution of the governing consensus, you know, the, the soft right and the soft left. You know, the thing that really kept uh, things going in many countries for many years, that's what's really under challenge. So just as you're seeing the rise of, of um, uh, the right as the populist option in many countries, there's also a more emphatic set of solutions coming out from the left as well. Uh, they came out a little bit earlier. They tend to be in the, the green parties, the degrowth movement, as they call themselves, that have a very different vision of what the uh, of what the future should be. So what we're seeing is these more emphatic types of sides in, in politics and this governing consensus of your parents, that's the thing that seems to be evaporating. So if Donald Trump becomes the nominee for the Republican Party, and I suspect he will, you have, you have more information on that than I do, but my gut tells me he's going to win the nomination regardless of what's going on on the periphery of his life. That will make a huge impact on American society. And, and what kind of um, repercussions would it have internationally? Would it be significant or not? Yeah, definitely would be significant. I mean, one of the first the big changes that we saw in the United States after Donald Trump was elected was we do a survey every year for the Halifax International Security Forum on what people think about the contributions of a variety of countries and institutions to uh, um, to, to world affairs. And the United States lost about 13, 14 points almost the day after Donald Trump was elected, and it didn't come back in terms of international public opinion until Joe Biden became the president. So, you know, the, the first thing that's going to be affected is what the rest of the world thinks of the United States because they've elected Donald Trump. Okay. If Trump is elected, if he becomes the, the nominee for the Republican Party, what does that suggest for Justin Trudeau and the liberals? What does it suggest for Mr. Singh? What does it suggest for Pierre Pontlyev? Anything? Well, I, I think that, you know, the liberals um, and Mr. Singh... Uh, will probably try to present themselves as, you know, the logical alternative, uh, you know, the force that can push back against Mr. Trump uh, and, and protect Canada's interests. But, you know, Canada is not really in that strong a, posi uh, strong a position. And it's not like Justin Trudeau and the Liberals or even the current government that uh, involves the NDP has had such tremendous influence on events in the United States, particularly when it comes to even how Canada is uh, regarded in relative to policy, how it's regarded in terms of international forums, or even how it's regarded in terms of the bilateral relationship that the two countries have. So uh, we know that uh, Mr. Trump is not a fan of Justin Trudeau. Um, you know, potentially somebody else could make the argument uh, that actually he might find a way, and that would be Mr. Polyev, to protect Canada's interests and try and find a way to get along with the Americans. Now, a lot of people might not want to hear that, but the uh, but Canada is in such a dependency relationship with the United States right now, we can't afford 
to uh, to be in a position in which the uh, in which the United States really uh, um, uh, either doesn't take our interests into account or actively works against our interests. You know, the thing that really concerns me on this one, Roy, is the immigrant is the immigration wow. And what could happen after Mr. Trump becomes uh, uh, the president of the United States, if he does win? He's made a very emphatic statement about what he's going to be doing for people he considers to be uh, illegal immigrants in the United States. And he's going he's to crack down hard. Um, what's going to happen across the longest undefended border uh, uh, in, in the world between Canada and the United States? Do you think we're going to – we already have a bit of an immigration, huge immigration issue right now. What's going to happen if that happens? Yeah, I just, I just wonder, Daryl, whether the visceral response of a population of numbers of populations in the world is we've had enough. We don't want to go on with the same route. We don't want the same old stories and the same old news releases. We want something different. So last weekend, I spoke with a German uh, about the, the German farmers' protest, which has shut down much of the country, and I had a German guest. And then I followed that because I was wondering what might happen in this country. I followed with the president of the Western Wheat Growers Association about a possible similar public protest by Canada's farmers. And the president of the Wheat Growers wasn't willing to say Canada's farmers would follow the lead of the German counterparts. But he wasn't willing to dismiss the possibility either. And in Canada, it's the carbon tax and the fertilizer policies of Trudeau's government that has the farmers utterly frustrated. I just... I look at Mealy, I look at Maloney, I look at what's, uh, what, what, what happened in Sweden, I look at Wilders and what happened in the Netherlands, and I just see national populations who are saying, enough, I don't care if this person or this party was deemed unelectable, I want something different and I'm going for it. Yeah, well, in Canada, that's very much what we're seeing in our polling, and I think not just our polling, all of the polling out there, where the, the Liberals... You know, just sunk into oblivion back in uh, back in the summertime because of a confluence of events, and they found no way to get themselves back on track. And what's particularly troubling, if you're a liberal, is that what's happened is there the events of the day combined with the policies that the government's putting in place seems to have no effect on how people regard. Uh, the uh, the performance of the government or, or the or, or the prime minister or their popularity, and that's because they've just decided they want to have a change. So there, there's almost nothing they can do. We're just gonna we're just gonna play this thing out over the next while. And and the hardest part for for uh, uh, Justin Trudeau and all of this is they can go out and they can slam Pierre Polyev all they want, but it's not like Canadians particularly like Polyev anyway. What they like right now is change, and he's the one uh, person on the national stage who's really talking about it in a significant way, which is why he is where he is. He's the antidote to whatever uh, exists in the current situation. And if you don't like it, you really only have one choice. And that's basically what Canadians are telling us in the polling. You can communicate with us uh, during uh, the program on our text line at 1-877-399-9898, which Henry in Mississauga is doing. Based on my conversation with Daryl Bricker, the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs, Roy, I've heard a lot of old school liberals say that the current liberal party isn't the liberal party, but is the Trudeau party. I'm not a liberal by any means, but I totally agree with that statement. And, and Daryl, that's the truth, isn't it? I mean, you, you've told us that. It, this, isn't the, this isn't the liberal party any longer. They don't have, it's not Jean Chrétien with Paul Martin in the wings. It's Justin Trudeau with Justin Trudeau in the wings. 
It's basically what it is, and it was done intentionally. I mean, they, uh, when Trudeau took over as the as the leader of the Liberal Party, he took over a very, very weak party, and then proceeded to blow up all the institutions. And, you know, everything from getting rid of the Senate caucus through to changing all of their fundraising team, doing all, getting rid of all the the infrastructure that existed previously to create essentially a party of Justin Trudeau, which was why they also brought in a new system for electing leaders in which you didn't have to buy party memberships. Everybody could come in and, and support the party because they thought Justin Trudeau was the ticket and everybody was going to support him. And it would be a, a huge way to, to build this Trudeau movement. Uh, but one of the, one truism politics, Roy, is that what makes you weak or strong makes you weak. So it made them strong back in 2015, makes them pretty weak today. Yeah. Nobody wants his healthy with them anymore. Nobody, nobody wants a selfie with him. I, I saw or heard somebody, apparently he, he offered to do a selfie with somebody and the person said, no thanks. In 2015, they were lined up, they were lining up in 2015. The truth is, it's very difficult to see how he goes anywhere from where he is. Mm -hmm. Can I just play a little bit uh, of uh, President Mealy? of Argentina, who was considered unelectable. He's a former media guy. And here's a little bit of what he said to the World Economic Forum. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. Today, I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger. And it is endangered because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. There you go, Daryl. That, that was his opening 30 seconds or 45 seconds to the World oh, Economic yeah. Forum, right? He, he started a dumpster fire there. there was he no did. Stuff. And he went on and on and on. And yeah. It was... Uh, it was uh, uh, probably difficult for all of those uh, people at Davos to hear, not because they dis uh, they uh, um, felt like they were particularly guilty, but they probably were thinking, how did this crazy person end up being the president of Argentina, end up on this stage? Yep. But the truth is, he's better aligned with public thinking these days than the Davos crowd. So, you know, he ended his uh, speech with long live liberty. Um and, and my sense is there are more melees lining up behind him. And people are prepared. We'll go back to the beginning of what we talked about. But the people are ready to elect the unelectable because that's, I mean, that's what's happening. Builders, Maloney, um, uh, in Sweden, the, uh, the uh, bloc of conservative parties. It, it just seems to be what's happening in, 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 a, in a fair bit of the world. So... Yeah, we're in for a very interesting, uh, interesting uh, year, two, three, four, five, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we really are. And, and you know, uh, pr traditionally, what has been happening on the far right, or the more right wing side of the political agenda, and by the way, all the populists are from the right wing. Um, Obrador in Mexico comes from the left. I mean, so and there's it's it's not unique specifically to the right, although the right's on a bit of a roll right now. Um, but the 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 big change that's taken place over the last while is usually it was very much a response to cultural change as a result of immigration. So you know, large amounts of immigration led to a bit of a a pushback, and you saw the right would rise up, you know, Gilker, Wilders being a real 
example of that. What's really changed, though, mm-hmm. over the space of the last year is that it's other issues that are coming in here, particularly things like green issues, okay. where people are, people are saying, hey, you know, maybe we need a different approach. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.